Well, hey, we have some kids living in the room right now in our third to fifth grade uh, connection group. Uh, we have a middle school connection group that usually meets on Sunday nights. I just want to let you know, if you're a middle school student or parent, you should know that that's happening at our student pastor's house, Jose Torres's house. His um, address is in the worship program, but that's tonight at 6 p.m. So if you're a middle school student, uh, it's going to be a fun night. I highly, uh, I highly encourage you uh, to check that out. Uh, can you, uh, Cameron and Carissa are taking a much needed weekend off. Uh, can you help me thank Amos and Becca for leading this morning? Thank you, guys. Awesome work and band. Band is awesome as always. Hey, my name's Steve Wall, and I'm the campus pastor here at Genesis Church. I'm so glad that you guys decided to join us this morning on a beautiful uh, September morning, uh, first week of football season, um, and which is awesome. But thanks for coming and sharing some time with us too. Uh, we will try not to cut into your football season, but we've got an event today that we want you to know about, uh, and it's in your worship program, which hopefully you got when you walked in. Um, and uh, it is our Connection Groups lunch on the very back panel of your worship program. You probably see something about that. And we've got quite a few uh, families and, and people signed up for that uh, who want to get connected in a group. You know, we believe that the, the best way uh, outside of Sunday morning for you to continue to grow in your faith is to get in a group of people who are trying to do the exact same thing. And so we hope that you'll join us today. Our goal today, I'll tell you at the, at the outset, is first of all to give you some pizza and salad and food and, and let you meet some new people. But we want to get you in a group if you're not already in one. So we hope you'll join us. Uh, many of you have already signed up for this, but if you haven't, um, we're, we're going to provide childcare. We're going to provide lunch. We'd love to have you come. It's in the cafe about 10 minutes after the service ends. And so we'd love to have you join us uh, for that. Uh, on the back of your worship program um, is our connection card. And uh, you can, uh, we'd love for you to fill that out, especially if you're a guest or visitor. You can drop it in the offering when it comes by in just a minute. Uh, or if it's your first time, uh, you've never turned in one of these before, we have a gift for you at the Info Hub. If you will uh, turn this in with any information you're willing to give us and take it to the Info Hub, there's a friendly face that wants to give you a gift just for being here. Uh, the other thing I want to make you aware of is, uh, you know, we're starting next week uh, new service times. We're going to two services here at Genesis Church, uh, which is awesome. It's exciting. It's, it's fun. And you look around, and you go, well, this, why are you doing that? There's a lot of empty seats. And what I say is you need to see our kids' space <laughs> because uh, we've had a lot of uh, places, a lot of times where our kids' space is full and we don't have enough um, or we have too many kids for the, for the size of the room and the number of volunteers we have in a room. And so uh, we're going to two services. Uh, we believe that God is growing this church. We've seen it happen. We've, we continue to see it happen. And so we're going to make room for more people. And so next week, 930 and 1115, in the back of the room, you'll see these. These are our new invite cards uh, with our new service times on them. We encourage you to take one uh, for yourself and then also take one uh, to, to hand out to somebody this week. Uh, next week, we're starting back with our series called The Story, and we're starting in the New Testament. So everything's new. Uh, Jesus is coming. Next week, we're celebrating Christmas. It's going to be exciting. I know it's September, but hey, I was at Hobby Lobby this weekend. They're already doing it, so why don't we, right? So we're going to celebrate Christmas next week with the birth of Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus for the next 10 weeks. Uh, we try to talk about Jesus every week, but we're going to talk about the life and ministry of Jesus for the next 10 weeks. And so we hope that you'll join us for that. Um, right now, one other way we celebrate is through the giving of an offering. I'm going to invite our host team to come forward and take out the offering. And you can applaud for that if you want. We do that usually. While they do that, we are finishing up our series today called Getting Past Your Past.
well, I know you've heard this saying, you can't change the past, right? And if you hadn't heard it before um, this series, you've heard it for the last two weeks in this series. We know that this series isn't about changing our past because we know we can't do that. That's why we've called it getting past your past, not changing your past, but getting past your past. What we've been focusing on these last two weeks is what we can do. And what we can do, we've said, is that we can have a new future, right? We can't change our past, but we can have a new future. And we've talked for the last two weeks, we're going to talk about it again this week, about this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says this, Therefore, if anyone is in, new, is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. And what we've said for the past two weeks is that because we're a new creation in Jesus Christ, if we are a new creation in Jesus Christ, that he can shape our future. He can give us a new future. And that's important because we all have a past, don't we? And in week one, we said, hey, how many of you have a past? And everybody in the room raised their hand. It was amazing. And, and most of us, I would say all of us, most of us for sure have something about our past that we wish we could change, right? At least one thing that you wish you could change. And it may be something big. And it may be something small. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, my daughter, who's nine, was having a major attitude attack. Now, that happens with nine-year-old girls. And I was doing really well at acting patient. Now, notice I said acting patient and not being patient. I think there's a huge difference, right? Uh, but I was acting patient. But by the time she made her like fourth or fifth smart remark, I had kind of had enough. And out of frustration, I said, Audrey, you're being a real butt today. And she cried, and it hurt her feelings, and then I cried because I'm that kind of dad, and uh, I apologized. And it took some work for us to get back on the same page. It's something I wish I could take back, right? It's a little thing, but I wish I could change it. You know, we all have those little moments that we wish we could get back. And so we've called the series Getting Past Your Past for that reason. We have different things. We have things that we wish were different about our past, and for all of us, it's different. You know, for some people, the thing from your past has to do with pain. You know, because somebody hurt you somewhere in your life, somebody done you wrong, and you still carry that around with you. You know, we all have hurt in our past. It's an unfortunate part of life. And sometimes that pain is a, is a result of something as simple as a misunderstanding or a misspoken word or a miscommunication. And, but honestly, that is all your spiritual enemy needs. I mean, he can use that to drive a wedge between two people. I mean, one misplaced sentence is enough to drive a deep wedge in a relationship. It has the ability to affect your relationship for years and years and years. And, and, and let's be realistic. Sometimes it's a little thing we can't get past. Other times there's been an outright betrayal, you know, an insult or, or, or something. It's a, it's a big thing, right? I mean, any time that there's been hurt, any time that there's been a, an insult or a betrayal, it's a big deal. And sometimes the hurt, or re, the hurt and the resentment we experience are the results of something someone someone did to us that was downright cruel, right? I just want to say this morning, it's not wrong to be hurt. It's natural to feel hurt when someone does something to you that's hurtful. But harboring resentment because of hurt is a different thing altogether. You know, what happens when we allow resentment to take hold, when we allow resentment to move in and to consume us, uh, is the original hurt keeps on hurting, right? It's like picking at a scab, and I had a scab here for the last few weeks, and, and the more you pick at it, the more it hurts, and the worse the resulting scar ends up being, right? Resentment is like that. It's, it's something that builds and increases so much that if we leave it unattended, it can cause greater problems. And in fact, what it does is it messes with us in ways that go far beyond the original hurt. 
Anne Lamott said it this way. She said, resentment is like drinking rat poison and hoping the other person gets sick. If you're going to do this, so if, you're, if, if we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about resentment this morning. If we're going to get the absolute most out of this morning, here's what I want you to do. Would you just take a minute in your seat right now and in your head, would you think about who is that person that's causing resentment in your life? Think about that. Who is that person for you? If they're sitting next to you, don't no elbow nudges, okay? No, nothing like that. But who is it for you? Who, who is it that's hurt you? Who is it that, that's wounds, or whose wounds you've been able to, unable to move past? I mean, for some of you, um, this is going to take zero effort because you know it so well. I mean, as soon as I said that, it, it flooded into your mind. Uh, the, the hurt from your past came, came back. There's a hurt in your life, something that's there that's caused resentment. Somebody lied to you. Somebody took advantage of you. Somebody wounded you. And even now, just the thought of what happened stirs such a strong emotion inside of you. Maybe it's because it recently happened. Hopefully not this morning. But maybe, you know, maybe it's a fresh wound. But, but maybe for other of you, others of you, the, the wound's not so fresh. It happened a year ago or it happened years ago. And you like to think that you filed that hurt away and you've moved on. You try to convince other people that you have. Um, but when you know it, all it takes is one family gathering or, or seeing him at your kid's soccer game or you run into her at the grocery store. Or, you know, maybe you hear their voice, or you see a car that looks like the car they drive, and all of a sudden that, that bitterness just starts to well up inside of you. That resentment just comes back. It comes flooding back to you. It comes rushing back in. And, and when you're honest with yourself, what you realize is that so far you have been unable to get past the past. That's why this is so important to remember. Whether it's a fresh wound or an old wound, it doesn't matter how long ago it happened, no matter what it is, you can't change the past. But what you can do is you can allow it allow, let's see, how am I going to say this? You can allow to, uh, the, how the past affects you to change. You can uh, uh, change how the past affects your present. I love how author Pete Wilson says it. He says, your past is not your past if it's still affecting your present. But even if you can't change your past, we believe, as I've said, you can, we can move forward starting today and work on a new future. Now, here's what I believe, and here's what I've been praying this week. And, and I've asked other people to be praying along with me. I believe that God is big enough and powerful enough to heal whatever hurt is in your life right now. I believe that with all my heart. Now, on your own, you can't change your life. I know that because you've tried. I mean, you've tried to make yourself better. You've tried to get past this on your own. I can't change your life. I know that because I've tried. And for some of you especially, I've tried to change your life. I can't do it. I don't have that kind of power. But I believe that the God of the universe is present and with us today. And because of his power because of his willingness to work in our lives, that he can do an even greater work in your life and in my life today if we let him, if we give him room to move. I believe that God can help you get past your resentment, and I believe that that can happen today, or at least it can start today. He can make resentment a part of your past. So if you've been drinking rat poison, uh, what you need is an antidote, right? You need an antidote to that poison. And when you take that to God, what he wants to do is he wants to show you how to forgive. Because forgiveness is the antidote to resentment. Now, I just want to stop for a minute there. I just want to acknowledge what some of you are thinking. Dude, you have no idea. I mean, you can't possibly understand. Do you, do you have any idea what happened to me? Do you have any idea what I've been through? Do you, do you know what my life is like? Do you know who I was married to? Do you even know what he did to me when I was growing up? Do you know what she said to me? Or do you know what she said to my kids? No, I don't know. 
Maybe somebody took advantage of you. You know, maybe they stole your innocence. Maybe somebody gossiped about you. And maybe your mom and dad divorced when you were really young and just at the time when you needed them the most. Maybe your wife cheated on you. you know, maybe it's not what someone did to you, but what they did to someone you love. And listen, I'm not trying to minimize or make light of anything that happened to you. You know, I don't know what happened to you, and I don't know what your pain feels like. But I do know what pain feels like. I mean, I know what it means to be hurt. But I also know what it means to be, what it feels like to be filled with resentment. Because I got to tell you, I don't always get this right. And so I've been, if you have resentment in your life, I've been where you are. And I've seen how resentment can cause damage far beyond what the original hurt caused. I've experienced the destruction that anger and bitterness can wreak on relationships and on lives. And so right now, here's what I want you to do. Answer this question for yourself. Who is it? Who was it? Who hurt you or offended you? Maybe it's an old friend. Maybe it's a a parent, an old boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's a husband or a wife or an ex. Maybe it's a former teacher or a coach or a pastor. Maybe it's someone who helped you start a business. Maybe a neighbor. You know, maybe a child said something to you or they've rejected you. Maybe you found out that your husband's been looking at pornography and you can't ever imagine like the relationship being restored. Maybe you just found out that your spouse has a past that goes way back beyond what they've ever told you. You, you can't put it behind you. Maybe it's someone who's no longer living and they're gone, but the memories, the memories are still around. You still hurt. And there's a grudge and there's bitterness and resentment. And resentment is a cancer to the soul. If it's left untreated, it has the potential to ruin you. It can cause far greater pain than the original wound. And maybe in your life, it already has. Now, I know what we talk about today is going to be really, really challenging for some of us. But I pray that with the Lord's help that you can see that he can do what looks like the impossible in your life. He can help you move past your past and help you forgive. If there's bitterness or resentment in your life towards someone because of something that has happened in the past, I'm praying today that you will open your heart and let God give you the strength to forgive that person who hurt you. And so, in fact, I want to stop right here. I know it's weird. We're in the middle of this message, but I want to stop right here and pray. Would you pray with me? Father God, what a difficult subject to talk about. And uh, the bitterness, the pain, the, the anger, the resentment that we carry around, it all started with a, a seed Uh, that was properly planted by somebody. I mean, it was a hurt. It was an insult. It was an offense in our life. But God, we know that you've called us and you've asked us to move past that and forgive. And that's going to be a difficult thing for a lot of us. So would you just give us the strength today? We need your strength and your power. We need your Holy Spirit in this room today, God, to, to help us move past our past. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the topic of forgiveness could be a four-part series, but we have 20 minutes left today, and so we're going to need to be efficient. Uh, We're going to need to do some good work here. So as we look to the Bible uh, for direction on forgiveness, I want to talk about two things this morning. I want to focus on why we need to forgive, and then at the end, we're going to focus on how to forgive. And this is going to be great stuff. I I just, I sense this week, like God's been really working in me, and I, I pray that he's been working on you too. But let's start with why, okay? Why in the world should we forgive? If somebody's offended us, somebody's hurt us, why in the world should we forgive? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, resentment hurts me. Okay, my resentment towards somebody else hurts me. Hebrews 12, 15 says it this way. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble 
and defile many. Because what can a root do? It can cause trouble, right? It can ruin families. It can ruin marriages. It can ruin childhoods. It can ruin workplaces. It can ruin friendships. And what does a bitter root do? Well, roots grow, right? They grow up. They grow into big plants or they grow into trees. They cause trouble. Uh, A bitter root can defile all sort of things, including you. And as scripture tells us, including many people, right? That's what that verse says, many people, including the people around you. I read this story this week about Bonnie Ware. Bonnie Ware was an Austra- is an Australian nurse. She spent um, the last several years working in palliative care, which is care for patients in the last like 12 weeks of their lives. And, and as Ware walked with her patients uh, through this end of life, she started to gain an understanding of, of the regrets that people had. She witnessed how many of her patients gained what she calls phenomenal clarity of vision in the last 12 weeks of their lives. And Ware claims when questioned about any regrets they had or anything they would do differently, some common themes surfaced again and again. According to Ware, she was able to classify these common themes into five categories. These are the the regrets that most people had at the end of their lives. They fit into one of these five categories. And they're things that you might expect, like people who said that they they regretted that they worked too much. Uh, People who said that they regretted that they lost touch with friends. But the one that was most interesting to me was this. Uh, She said... Uh, one of the categories was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And and about that, she said, many people suppress their feelings in order to keep peace with others. Many patients developed illnesses, physical illnesses, related to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result. Bitterness towards other people hurts me. Physically is what she's saying. Now, what does the writer of Hebrews say? See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. So many people today, I mean, even maybe some of us here in this room right now are living with that bitter root in our life. You may not be aware of it, but do you know what? Your friends see it. Your spouse sees it. Your kids might see it. Your connection group sees it. Other people see it. I mean, there's something. They may not be completely aware of it. The people that, people that are your friends on Facebook, they see it because of the things you post, the things you say, right? And, and they may not know what it is. They may not know what the root is, but they see the fruit, right? They see what happens. Uh, there, there's, and maybe you may not even know about it because you're so used to living with it. But there's some grudge there's, you, you've learned to function with. <clears throat> and here's the thing. Maybe you're waiting for the other person to do something about it. Maybe you're waiting for an apology. But the truth is, if you don't do something about it, you'll end up taking it to your deathbed. Well, what does God have for us? God says, love, talking about in in the famous uh, text from Corinthians that we often hear in weddings, love keeps no record of wrong. But bitterness and resentment aren't like that. Bitterness keeps a long, detailed list. It's a Mac Daddy spreadsheet. Of wrong, right? That's what bitterness does. Bitterness keeps a long, detailed list. It knows exactly how it went down. It knows exactly what happened. It, it is literally, as I said, it's a cancer of the soul. And if left untreated, it eats away at us and it hurts our relationships with other people. But most importantly, it hurts our relationship with God. So why should we forgive? Well, resentment hurts me too. But another reason is this. N- number two, I need forgiveness too. Like I need it. I'll need it again. You need forgiveness. And you're going to need it again. Moms and dads, do you know one of the best ways you can teach your kids about forgiveness? Practice it. You know, practice it in front of them. It takes humility to apologize to your spouse 
in front of your kids. It takes humility to apologize to your child for something you said or something you did. You called her a butt in front of her sister. You got to apologize for that. You need to practice that humility because you flew off the handle at her. You know, you take that moment, you apologize, you ask for forgiveness. In Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching about this, and he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, and and women, um, by the way, you're not off the hook on this, okay? Uh, Men means like mankind, all right? So if you forgive men or women, if you forgive people their sins, uh, if you do not forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Ouch, right? I mean, does that mean if I refuse to... Forgive someone, I'm going straight to hell. Well, no, Jesus is using extreme language here as a wake-up call. I mean, he, he said it like this when he could have easily said, why in the world would you ever expect God to forgive you for everything you've done when you refuse to forgive someone for what they've done to you? What Jesus is doing is that he's, he's trying to help us see that the foundation of our entire relationship with him starts with forgiveness. It goes back to week one in the series when we said uh, we talked about getting past our failures. What great news that my greatest sin and your greatest sin are nothing compared to God's grace. You know, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. It means that if I trust Jesus as my savior, I'm forgiven of everything yesterday, today and tomorrow. I'm saved by his grace. Now, if you've ever heard me preach on forgiveness before, uh, you know that forgiveness is not even a Bible word or a religious word. It's a financial word. You know, forgiveness means the debt has been paid. It's, it's like in, in the case of Jesus, it's that he takes my bill, he rips it into pieces and, and, and gets rid of it so that it can never be um, put together again. It can never be held against me again. You know, when it, when it comes to the way I'm supposed to forgive, it's like one person said, forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note, torn in two and burned up so it can never be shown against one. It doesn't matter what it is. His forgiveness is enough for me. His grace is sufficient to cover my past. And if it's good enough for me and it's good enough for you, what could possibly keep you from extending that grace and forgiveness to someone else? You know, I recently heard a story from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This was the body that was formed in South Africa to investigate uh, hate crimes that happened during the apartheid era. And horrible crimes, horrible crimes were committed during that era against black South Africans. I mean, things that you can't imagine that human being, one human being could do to another. And the horrors of the crimes make one particular story um, really moving. And so two people who came before the commission were Mrs. Collada and her daughter. Now, Mrs. Collada's husband had been an advocate for black South Africans in the rural parts of South Africa. But because of his work, he'd been arrested, he'd been detained many times, but he'd been tortured. And one day he disappeared. And on the front page of the paper the next day, Mrs. Collada, this is how she learned of his death, saw a picture of his car on fire. And during the hearing on the Reconciliation Commission, she cried so loudly uh, during the autopsy's report about his torture that the commission had to be adjourned. Well, when they reconvened, Mrs. Collada's daughter came onto the stand to testify. And years had been gone by. I mean, years and years had gone by since this happened. She was now a young lady. And she pleaded with commission. She said, please help me find who killed my father. But she wasn't crying out because she wanted vengeance or because she wanted justice. She said, she said to the commission, we want to forgive, but we don't know who to forgive. Now, eventually, members of the police, of the South African police, actually confessed to the crime. But rather than continue the cycle of hatred, Mrs. Collada and her daughter forgave 
the men who tortured and killed their husband, their father, because that's what Christ's people do. Now, does forgiveness mean we don't care about justice? Does forgiveness mean there's no consequence for evil? No, I mean, no. What it means is that we leave justice and vengeance in the hands of God. We let him take care of it. He alone can judge rightly. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's what it says in the Bible. Our job as followers of Jesus is to break that cycle. It's to forgive others just as God in Christ has forgiven us. So why should I forgive? Because resentment is bad for me. Secondly, I need forgiveness in my life too. That's a little bit about the why. Let's spend a few minutes talking about the how. How do I forgive someone who ripped my heart out? How do I forgive someone who stole my childhood? How do I forgive someone who hurt someone I love? Well, there's two things on this too. Number one is this. Forgiveness starts with prayer. Forgiveness starts with prayer. We start with prayer. You start with prayer. You and I, we pray for those who hurt you. Now, don't pray that they get hemorrhoids, all right? You don't pray that that they get sick. You don't pray that they get hit by a bus. You pray like Jesus prayed for the people who mocked and tortured and killed him. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, for Jesus, he was just practicing at the end of his life. He was practicing what he'd taught his whole life. In Matthew 5, he said, you've heard it said uh, that love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. But whoa, when he talked about this, this is a really counterintuitive and countercultural teaching on Jesus' part. I mean, at that time in history, the Romans worshipped revenge. Literally. There was a goddess, a goddess by the name of Nemesis. You probably know where that word comes from now. There is a goddess named Nemesis who was the goddess of revenge. She was worshipped in the Roman culture. They literally worshipped revenge. And that didn't stop in Rome. I mean, even the Jewish rabbis would have taught an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life. So what did Jesus say? He came along and he said, love your enemies. And then what? Pray for those who persecute you. Now, I know the chances are some of you will say, I don't want to pray for them. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I can pray for them. I don't don't have it in me. But notice that Jesus didn't say, pray for them if you feel like it. He said, pray for those who persecute you. Now, here's what I think prayer can do for you. Prayer simply gets our heart moving in the right direction. It's a way to take our spirit going in the way that Jesus would have us go. Prayer reminds us that we can't do it on our own. And we know that even when we know that we can't, we can't do it on our own. We know that there's someone else who can. You know, have you ever heard the saying, right feelings follow right actions? I mean, I think that's true. And especially in this case, right feelings follow right actions. If you wait for the desire to pray for your enemies, for for those who persecute you, you might be waiting forever. But if your heart's desire is to follow the Lord and to live like Jesus, start praying. How do you forgive? Forgiveness starts with prayer. And maybe you're not ready to forgive today. And maybe you won't be ready to forgive this week. Maybe you won't be ready to forgive this month. But even starting today, you can pray. Keep praying. God will give you the heart and the strength and even the desire, I believe, to forgive. That's why forgiveness starts with prayer. This may be your only action step for today. You know, when you leave here, the only action step you may have is I need to pray for that person. But if it's what you take away and you continue in that, you will not go wrong. Don't let resentment have the final word. Don't let your enemy get a foothold in your life. Do the work to forgive. Start with prayer. There's one more thing. The second thing is this. 
How do we forgive? Forgive as we've been forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says it this way, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do you forgive? You forgive the same way that Christ has forgiven you. Christ has forgiven you completely and constantly and totally and without reservation. You forgive the same way. That's how you forgive. I like the way that Peter, one of the disciples, asked Jesus about forgiveness. You know, he, there was one occasion where he asked this question. He said, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Should I forgive him seven times? Which would have been a, a very generous uh, uh, notion in the eyes of the Jews. They would have thought three times was enough. But Peter said, should I forgive my brother seven times? And Jesus said, seven. How about 77? Or your Bible may say 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus is saying, when it comes to forgiveness, Peter, don't even keep track. Like you just constantly forgive. And it's so important because the person you need to forgive, they may still be committing that offense every time you see them. And you may forgive them and the next day you see them and they do it again. And so that's why it's important to remember we're going to constantly, totally, completely forgive. Now I want to take a minute and say this. What if you're in danger? You know, what if you're in an abusive situation? Then what? Get out of the house. All right? Forgiveness doesn't mean you stay with somebody who continues to hurt you physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually. You know, you, you get out and you stay out until they take full responsibility for what they've done. You can forgive while the cops are dealing with somebody. All right? That's okay. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. And reconciliation sometimes takes more time. But Jesus says, Forgive. That's what we do. I'm forgiven uh, by Christ. I didn't deserve his grace. I didn't deserve his forgiveness. Neither did you, but I belong to him. So I try hard to live my life offering the same forgiveness that he's given to me. And, And let me be clear, this stands no matter how big or how small the offense was. I want to share one other story I found about forgiveness this week with you. Take a look at this video. Now, this is obviously an extreme example of forgiveness. Yet in all things, the big and the small, the issue is the same. It's usually our pride that stands in the way of forgiving. You know, we feel like if we forgive, uh, we won't have that thing to hold over their head anymore. You know, we won't be able to have leverage over that person anymore. We won't be able to lord over them what they've done. So true forgiveness requires us to stifle our pride, to stomp on it, to, to push it aside. I realize that we've touched on a bunch of things in a short amount of time today, but I also realize there's a lot more aspects to forgiveness and reconciliation and so many other questions. But I want to share with you one more piece of scripture today. It's one I came across this week. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And that's great advice. And scripture is important for helping us wrestle through forgiveness, but that's almost too vague for you. And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to be able to say, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving, but instead of each other, can you put that person's name in that blank? You know, forgiving my ex-husband just as God forgave me. Forgiving mom just as God forgave me. Forgiving my former friend, just as in Christ, God forgave me. Forgiving my old boss, just as in Christ, God forgave me. The key key phrase is, just as. 
right? Just as God forgave you. God forgave you completely, without reservation, and forever. And that's how you should forgive. In fact, if you take nothing else away from today, you should know this. My ability to forgive starts with understanding my own forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? Um, I have been um, doing a lot of research and study this week uh, on this message. And as I was preparing, and even this weekend, I was reading through some of Paul's letters. Now, if, you don't, if you're not a biblical scholar, that's okay. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote many of the books in the New Testament. In fact, most of the middle of the New Testament was written by Paul. And if you go through his letters over and over again, there's this one theme. And this theme kind of sounds like this. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to run the race. I'm going to finish strong. Uh, he, he, he exhorts uh, Timothy in the book of Timothy to, that you've almost finished the race. In Colossians, he says that I've run the race that's laid out for me. And so there's this theme of finishing strong. And as I was thinking about that this week as it relates to forgiveness, I was thinking, you know, most of us or many of us have some place in our life where we've forgiven 90%. Like there's been something and we think we've dealt with it, but every once in a while, just some of that bitterness starts to well up again. Like we don't genuinely want good for that person. We don't genuinely, haven't genuinely forgiven. We haven't run the last five steps of the race. We, we haven't run through the finish line, as my coach used to tell me. Well, I think that's important because the way that Jesus forgave us was completely and unconditionally. And, and what God did that was he took the first step. That's why this is so important because when, well, I was still a sinner... God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth to die for me and to take the punishment that I deserved on the cross. You know, the cross that was this this horrible Roman instrument of torture became this beautiful symbol of forgiveness and reconciliation. And and if we want to be people who follow that cross, who follow Jesus, the man who hung on that cross... Uh, as hard as it is, we have to be willing to take that first step with people. And, and we have to be willing to take the last step with people. And so um, we're going to pray. I'd just like you to close your eyes uh, for a minute. And, and would you pray with me and, and say, God, um, I know we've talked about a lot today. And we all have different feelings, different thoughts and emotions going through our heads. But... Lord, I want to offer some special prayers for people in the room right now. And so if you're here and um, if you've got somebody you want to forgive, you know you need to forgive, could you just raise your hand or nod your head? I want to lift up prayers to you. Thank you for all those hands. Thank you for that. God, um, what a great group of bold, brave people that want to do the right thing and take the right step. Would you just give them strength this week? Would you empower them uh, to take those steps that they need to take? Would you help them to reach out and make that first move? God, even when it feels like it's not warranted, even when it's not deserved, But we know that for our sake and for your sake that we need to step out and take that first step. If, um, as we're still in prayer, if what I've just said has affected you, if you've got somebody in your life that you think, you know, I've forgiven them 90%, but but I need to take that last step. I need to make sure that that's complete. Would you just raise your hand right now? Again, God, I just lift these people up to you. I pray that this week um, you would give them wisdom to know how to approach that, to know how best to take those last few steps to run strong through that finish line, to finish the race well. Lord, I thank you so much that um, you use this gruesome symbol, this gruesome Roman device of torture and death, the cross, uh, to pay the price for us so that we could be forgiven. Lord, I just pray this week that because 
you've forgiven us, if we've, if we've accepted that work in our lives, that you've forgiven us, that we could do the same and offer the same to other people. Lord, would you help us to do that this week? Even as we come to you in worship, would you help us to remember that? God, in Jesus' name, amen.